24th episode of CTO Cast. Uh, today is Friday, September 30th of uh, 2016. You can listen all episodes if you subscribe at ctocast.com uh, or in iTunes. I'm your host Alex Stapnika from Amsterdam and I'm happy to introduce our dear guest Fabian Dudek, founder and CEO of Nespic. Uh, actually like ex-CEO uh, of Nespic. Uh, hi, hi Fabian. Hi there. Uh, but we will speak about that a little bit later. Uh, uh, also, I want to thank uh, Andrei Yaroshevsky uh, from company Chatfuel for the recommendation of such interesting guest, and Ilya Pukharsky, who allowed me to record this podcast in his wonderful place. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start from a brief introduction of Fabian background history, uh, if you don't mind. So, uh, Fabian studied in uh, Rasmus University uh, in uh, Rotterdam uh, and the Rotterdam School of Management. Uh, during studies, he had an uh, internship at Volkswagen and Microsoft and launched his first startup, Effortless Housing, sort of Airbnb for international students. And this startup was like basement for his, like the biggest startup, uh, nestpick.com. But actually, he left the company in 2016 and started it in 2014. Uh, is everything correct, Fabian? Everything is correct. <laughs> okay. Uh, so let's uh, probably give some background of yours. Uh, could you please g give us uh, some uh, your early history, how you got into startup world, how you started effort, uh, effortless housing, and some previous things. I started my first companies um, really when I was 12, 13, 14. Um, like during that time, my, my dad also started his business. Before that, he was working at Volkswagen. And, um, and so I just kind of grew up with this idea of um, creating um, systems that sustainably create value. Um, and for me, that, that the main focus on, on of that was was actually money at the start. So you know, I I had to start uh, build a little business that um, where I just collected paper delivery jobs and and distributed them to to friends of mine, and I just charged them a margin for for every um, for every job that they would get done. Um, and then you know I made little attempts at breeding fish, etc., etc. Like some some things more successful, some things less successful. All very uh, uh, fun and, um, and 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 learning intensive. Um, and then I started my studies um, when I was quite young, actually. So so I finished uh, school quite quickly and and, and realized that um, uh, life was actually quite expensive um, uh, because my parents. Uh, Uh, intentionally, and I'm very thankful to them for that, um, uh, kept me on a very tight budget. Um, and so while I was studying and, and kind of realizing more and more that like, you know, going through university was not my preferred way of acquiring knowledge um, and you know, that I was so tight on money, I kind of tried to solve those two problems with uh, uh, one solution, which was to, to found a business. Um, and the easiest way really for me to start a business um, uh, that I could think of back then was um, to help my landlord um, to rent out his rooms to international students. He had about 40 rooms. 
And so, you know, I, I got started with that and, you know, built the first website and it was all, all super exciting. Um, and two years later, um, and a couple of employees later and, 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 uh, yeah, you know, great energy later, um, we had become the biggest, uh, real estate agent for international students in Rotterdam, um, by really just doing two things better than normal real estate agents. One being, um, actually responding to emails, um, and two, uh, speaking English. Um, and yeah, you know, things continued from there. So, so, so from there on, I, I kind of only learned about what the startup industry was and what, and what, what was part of that early culture, what, what, what values actually sparked this, this, this kind of movement. And how, um, I'm sorry, how old were you at the time? Um, so I started my studies when I was 17 and, um, I founded Nest uh, or Effortless Housing, I think, when I was 18, 19, and uh, uh, Nest picked then when I was, let it be 20, 21, something like that. So pretty young. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm pretty young from the outside, but if you look in uh, into my brain and into the rest of my body, you'll see I've already lived a very intense life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and so, you know, I mean, really the, the, probably one interesting point still, or point of my life where, uh, which was really the, the move of effortless housing, this real estate agency, um, part of this old economy, part of, um, charging customers too much for too little. It's kind of, I, I feel like there are some businesses that are trying to make money by screwing people over. And then there are a couple, not a lot of businesses that are, trying to create value and uh, like really for, for the world and everyone and participate on that. And, um, and, and, and for me really also, I, I had the feeling with effortless housing, we were just earning way too much money for way too little work. Um, which usually, you know, you could say like, as uh, you know, if, if you're just driven by money, like, dude, how stupid can you be when you're, you know, when you have found a, uh, a niche or a business in which that is actually the case. You should just, you know, milk it as much as you can. Um, but I really wasn't happy, and I, I realized that um, um, that that is not the kind of course that I want my life to take. Um, so I, I was I started thinking about how you could solve this problem of landlords and tenants coming together um, uh, in a, in a more scalable way, particularly because it turned out that the scalability part was, was, was the biggest problem in the real estate market to, to, uh, yeah, sustainably positive customer. And so, um, that's, that's how the idea was born to kind of like a, yeah, an, an, a, a long-term Airbnb in a way, right? Focused on international students who, for whom there was not really a solution out there. You know, when you, move from Spain to the Netherlands, um, it's really hard to go over and do a viewing or to talk to real estate agents that only really want to respond in Dutch to you. Um, so, so that's how it all started. And then, and then I, I at least like to think because we really, you know, did everything based on the value of trying to do something better, like trying to do something good for 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 like 
humans to and and actually see humans as humans and not like as as customers and numbers um and from there the business just grew and grew and grew even though we didn't have a lot of funding or or knowledge um and then uh, uh yeah nestpick kind of turned into way more than just uh, this airbnb for international students because we realized about 5 6 months into the business that more and more uh, locals started uh, renting their places entirely online with us. Um, uh, Fabian, I, I, I'm just sorry. Uh, so before you will tell a story how you started uh, Nestpick, uh, yeah. let's go back to 2014. Uh, you want to say that uh, back then there were like no any company, any startup working on that market of long-term uh, rents? None that did a good job, I would say. Like at least not in, in the Netherlands for sure. Um, you know, you had all those kinds of, 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 of classifieds, right, of those adaptations of the Craigslist model, you know, uh, platforms where you would have to pay uh, in order to message people that have space available, platforms where you'd have to pay in order to do a viewing and, well, you know, all those real estate agents out there. But I didn't feel... And and honestly, I I, I I still don't feel that I'm alone with that with that feeling. Um, there weren't really any companies that tried to like actually only be successful when their customers are successful. Like for me, it was a no-brainer, um, and it was always like I, I, I stick to that throughout. Um, I wanted to only get paid when the tenant actually found a place and. Uh, through us and when the landlord actually found a tenant through us like otherwise i just think it's ridiculous that you would get paid because you didn't actually really create any value and so so yeah i, I would say it was um and and it still is i still don't see a lot of companies that that are really doing that and i still think the many problems that i've seen in the real estate market before still exist um there are some good initial starts but um if if you look into any other industry, then the digitalization of that of of those industries uh, industries is way further along um, than than in the real estate market. Okay, let's go a little bit into details. That's like it's clear that win win cases when customer wins, we win. But could you give some more details, like uh, on particular features or your approaches, uh, how you handle uh, handled customers, uh, why you was so unique? So, you know, I, I don't want, the, uh, I, you know, it's it, like we were by no means perfect, right? And and we also got super cocky and, and, and felt like uh, we could conquer the world and we're the most awesome people ever when, when, the, uh, when the startup really picked up. Um, so it's, it's not like, you know, you know we, we did everything perfect. And, and if I had done everything perfect, then I would not have uh, left Nespic now either, right? Um, but... Um, so, so for, for us, for example, we, we always started out saying, okay, look, we want to take responsibility from start to finish, right? So uh, we don't just want to connect people. We don't just want to help people get a viewing. We want to help them um, actually get a place. And we want to be like their partner until that point. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so was it, was it with landlords, right? So relationships and building relationships with, with landlords particularly was, was really, really important to us. Um, and those landlords really knew the name of every single person that was working in our customer experience team. 
right? They, they, it was, it was really, um, it was still humans working with each other, um, and not just, you know, trying to, uh, yeah, you know, build a little tool that then, uh, um, uh, uh, that, that, that kind of is a bit better, but, but, but doesn't really solve anything either still. Um, so I would say this end to end part was, was really important to us. Um, also, like, you know, we, we started out with charging a fee of 50% of one monthly rent and, um, uh, to, to the tenant actually, because it's just, you know, there's, there, there are way more people that are looking for places than there are actually places available. Um, particularly when it comes to private rooms and small apartments. And that's true for almost any bigger Western world city. Um, and but we always said, look, we want to reduce those fifty percent. We still don't feel like, you know, at critical mass, you should not have to pay that much. So it took us about, I think, eight months or so, and we reduced it to twenty five percent. And you know, we like, you know, I I I was or the 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 people that I was thinking about with with this and what the business model in general should be, what what would most reflect um, aligning the incentives of all stakeholders. Um, towards a common goal, um, we were ready to go way further on, you know, what we, what, what we wanted to do with the business model, um, going way more into, um, uh, yeah, rewarding those people that book really early, um, or, um, or charging those people a lot less that, that, that don't stay in an apartment for very long. Um, and, yeah, you know, it's a, so, so I, I think a, a lot of the stuff that we did was, was based on very good values. And then we kind of got caught up in, um, uh, partially, um, our, uh, yeah, our, our, our own self-centeredness and, 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 you know, and the, the success just catching up to us and, and, you know, us, us just, um, feeling a bit more confident than we should have. And, um, and just, you know, an enormous economic pressure, um, that, uh, that, that starts building up once you have a lot of money from a lot of stakeholders behind you. So your main competitors were like, uh, manual, the small, uh, uh, agencies, like you, you, you were in affordless housing or, yeah. uh, like platforms, uh, online platforms, yeah, uh, like Nestpeak. Who, who were your main competitors? So I think, uh, you know, I, 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 I hear a lot of startups talking about like their competitors that are also within the startup industry that are trying to do something different. Um, but I honestly think that's bullshit. Like it's, it's um, the, the main competitor when you're working on bringing an industry online, um, then your main competitor are all the people that are still offline, right? Or all the uh, um, uh, companies that are still mainly operating in the offline world. Um, and, you know, if there is another startup that maybe they even started two years or so beforehand, and maybe they've already captured 1% of the market, well, then there are still other players that are owning 99% of the market, right? So there were a couple of companies that had very similar models to ours, but I never really considered them as like, competitors that could be the reason for us to fail um the reason for us to fail and i think that's true for every company and 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 something widely uh, preached especially at y combinator as well 
is that you know if if you fail it's it's due to your own decisions it's it's never because of competition um and i uh and yeah i think honestly every company that so if 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 now uh, um uh, foodora is in in competition with a delivery um then i think you know those two are still helping each other to actually create a market um it's and and i i don't think those two necessarily are or at the start going to be the biggest competitors. Um, uh, now, of course, you know, those two are, are moving along quite fast and, 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 and that might change. Um, but at the start, I think you're working together to create a, a, a market and you're kind of just in competition of showing, okay, how good can I execute versus how good can you execute? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, to uh, probably finish uh, the topic about uh, product itself, Um, did uh, Nespeak or probably do, does Nespeak uh, have uh, any particular silver bullet features uh, which uh, like other uh, comparable platforms uh, don't have? Yeah, I would say, well, I, I think uh, there are no silver bullet features. At least I have not heard of any or seen any yet. Um, there are those stories of, you know, Airbnb all of a sudden taking professional pictures and, and that helped a lot. But, you know, if it, like... Airbnb found a lot of silver bullets, right? Or they found a lot of things that worked, as as did other companies. But I think the 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 main difference really between us and everybody else was that you could complete the entire transaction through the platform, right? So you would um, you would be able to to pay the deposit via the platform. Um, you'd be able to get the contract kind of via the platform. Um, so it was really, you know, an end-to-end transaction uh, versus, you know, uh, um, uh, another platform where you just, where, where basically a conversion is when you start a conversation, um, where, you know, on, on Craigslist, you start emailing hundreds of people, and then you just take it offline to complete the transaction. And that, that was really, you know, us going the, the next step um, and, and, and really within the rental market, Uh, building an end-to-end rental platform. That was that, that was the, 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 the biggest difference. And with that came, of course, a lot more responsibility, right? All of a sudden, you need a lot more customer service. All of a sudden, you need to actually really make sure that the places you have online are real, um, are proper, are properly displayed, um, And 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 and, and uh, you have responsibility for for the deposits and how they're being sent and when they're being sent, um, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So so this being an end-to-end platform brought about a lot of other, uh, yeah, one could call them features or consequences. Okay. And uh, what do you think about the future of this market? You're already like not anymore in this market, but we'll speak about that a little bit later. But uh, what do you think about the future? Uh, how will look like the platforms like Nespeak in the future? So I think the, the, the biggest mistake that we made was, or that I particularly also uh, <laughs> credit that mistake to me, um, was that, you know, I, I, I always ask myself the question, so how would that look like in the future without realizing that it's always a process, right? There's always something new and you always got to pick up um, uh, everyone and, and, and show them um, and explain to them in very small chewable pieces um, what the, what the next thing uh, or what, what, like, you know, how, how, 
the solution is going to look like a year from now and then a year later and then a year later. Um, <clears throat> I do definitely think um, that it's also going to happen in real estate and that doesn't matter if it's, if it's uh, rental or, 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 or buying um, um, that, that, they are going to be end-to-end platforms. So, you know, all those manual tasks of setting up contracts, of initially figuring out very simple information, like, is this place actually available? Um, like, you, you know, very, very simple tasks that you have done a hundred times when you've looked for an apartment in Berlin or you're now in Amsterdam, there it's even worse. <clears throat> so I think all of those will, will be automated and, 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 and nicely structured in an, in an end-to-end rental platform. Um, and then you will, uh, and, and you will, you will just, as in any other industry, not have, um, an agent in between anymore. Um, that will just be, you know, uh, an algorithm that does everything for you. Um, and I think, like, I don't, I don't even think that's the exciting part. I think the exciting part, and that was the reason for me to also be so convinced of this and, and, and to still be convinced of this. I, I still, you know, want for this to be solved. And if there's no one who is going to solve it, then I will go ahead and do it once more. Um, I think the consequence of this increased transparency and increased access to space anywhere living space really right like we're, we're not talking just you know um uh, staying somewhere for a couple of days airbnb space but living space um that's going to have two big consequences that i'm super excited about the first one is that um i think it will reduce the barriers for people to take crazy decisions like just moving abroad you know, I, um, I'm a, I'm a freelance designer, um, and I can work from anywhere anyway. I work from home. So why not, you know, live in Berlin for a while? Or why not live in Singapore for a while? Or, you know, whatever, whatever region intrigues me. Um, so all of a sudden, you know, this barrier of actually going there, one of the major ones is actually, uh, alleviated because all of a sudden you can just online see what is there, what do I want, and you could even, if you want to, just you know complete the whole transaction online before you even arrive. Um, and I think just generally everybody that has ever lived abroad knows that probably um, it's it, it has been one of the greatest experiences um, they ever made for them, one of the biggest leaving the comfort zone experiences, um, which are generally the ones that, that make you stronger. So that's the first thing that I'm super excited about for uh, once something like NPIC uh, um, um, is really globally at scale um, working. And then the second thing is that um, <clears throat> I always use the analogy of IKEA. So um, when you think... 50 years back, then, you know, your your parents or your grandparents would have bought a sofa and, um, you know, then they would have passed that sofa on to their children and, you know, they would have used that sofa and maybe at one point it would have gone to the guest room um, because it, you know, got really dirty and all. But, um, you know, that's that's how people generally thought of of a sofa, right? It was It was this like this useful thing sure it was a big uh, a big buy but um like and, and and then it was there and part of your family for very long um 
And then IKEA came along and did a couple of things, right? The first thing they did was um, they made it, uh, uh, they packed the packed the sofa up in boxes so that you could actually very easily just go to a store and buy one instead of you know actually having it really properly delivered to you. Blah 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 blah. First thing. Second thing is they made it a whole lot cheaper for you to get one. Um, and the third thing, and that's probably the most important, that's how they created their own market, is they made people think of a sofa as a fashion item much more than as like, you know, this, this item that you once get and then you have it and then, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's kind of nice to sit in it. Um, so people started individualizing the kind of furniture they'd be living with in a way, right? Um, this is simplified now, of course. And, and what I believe can happen as well and what, what would be a future that I'd be particularly excited about would be if it will be so easy for you to move um, particularly because our generation has less and less stuff, um, uh, it would be so easy to move that you don't only individualize the kind of furniture that you live with, but you even individualize the kind of space that you live in. So if I tomorrow feel like I want to live in a different neighborhood or I, I don't know, I just, you know, I want to have more water close to me or whatever I'm feeling right now, that I actually have the opportunity to do that, right? And to live in 10 apartments within the same city, um, just dependent on the kind of needs I have, right? Maybe I also just change my employer and want to live closer to there. Um, so giving people the opportunity to individualize the space they live in, um, uh, was was the second thing that that really got me very excited about um, uh, yeah creating such an end to end rental platform that would increase accessibility transparency and reduce costs of course uh, actually agree with everything I felt myself during these months what does it mean to rent apartment uh, in Amsterdam <laughs> yeah so hundred percent can sign uh, above every word you said yes. But anyway, <laughs> let's move forward. You created Nestpeak, not alone. You said you, that you are a designer, actually. And, you know, when you... No, I was, I, that was just hypothetically. Like, I'm, you know, ah, I'm not... Ah, okay, okay. Yeah. And what, what, do, what, what did you do, like, uh, for life, like, before Nestpeak and that? Well, I studied. I studied, okay. But <laughs> yeah. I studied for, for whom? Like, like you, you were going to be, like... Ah, um, well, I studied business and economics, um, so I guess I was gonna be like, like initially, um, even though I could, like, I continuously build businesses. For me, the idea really was still to go kind of with this old uh, career path that society had drawn out, at least like for you know for the for the people that actually were able to to get a bit of a higher education um i thought i was going to go to a consultancy and you know learn about business and then my ultimate goal was to become the ceo of a uh, big company in germany or wherever oh, like, like that was IKEA. you know when i was yeah exactly like you know i would have probably been fine with being ceo of ikea but um uh, you know, throughout life and throughout reflecting on what I was feeling and if that actually really, you know, uh, made me proud of what I was doing and gave me energy, um, I, uh, yeah, I realized that that wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, and, yeah, I just, you know, used my, I, I think it's to, to a big extent, it's just some, you know, business intuition and, and of course, some frameworks I also learned during university, definitely, right? Um, that then got me started. And then, man, when you, 
uh, I mean, when you when you found a couple of businesses, and you know, like you, you realize actually there's almost nothing that you can't learn or can't teach yourself, right? Um, so I started teaching myself how to code, or I started teaching myself how to convince investors, or I started um, teaching myself um, how uh, you know how you how you do tracking um, and what kind of things you'd be tracking. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I, I, I really, you know, I also during university took the decision that I was not going to decide or that I was not going to, you know, dedicate now three, four, five years to learning and then I'd be using that knowledge. Um, to me, I just said, okay, look, I, I, I think I found um, the way that uh, in which I love the most um, uh, to, to, to learn new stuff. And that knowledge is certainly going to pay off in one way or another in the future. And if not, doesn't matter because I'm having fun right now. So that's kind of how I went about this, you know. Okay. Um, why I asked you that question, because like building the company, you're building that company not alone. And yeah. one of the like probably primary and the most uh, important goals is to form uh, the, the team, uh, which <laughs> will be able to build this company of your dream. And uh, could you please tell your own experience of building teams? Uh, I know, like, I read your article that it was not so easy. You've, you've made pretty much mistakes. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, so could you please tell about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, I, the, the first people I really hired in Effortless Housing, and that was, you know, for me, everything was still new, like, right, how to interview people, what to even ask, right? What, what, what question and what, what from what answers and what reactions... Um, could you actually read something about the people that are there? Um, and um, I, I've, I've, I then took a, or a, like when, so when I started uh, Nestpick, I had already some experience in that and, and uh, did initially a lot of things right, I think. Um, so I, I knew that I, um, uh, like, you know, I, I I, I definitely wasn't good enough at technology to, to build the product myself. So I, I knew that I wanted to have a, um, a CTO on board. Um, and uh, the angel investors that I had um, back then um, knew a couple of people. So I talked to them and then I ended up um, working with Peter Hoffman um, kind of on a, on a deal where he was, you know, building the product for equity. So he wasn't, really from the start, a complete co-founder, um, which would have probably been way better in hindsight if, if, if he would have been. But, but so, you know, from now on, whenever I'm going to build anything, um, um, I, I do want to work with people that are as committed as, as I am. And I don't think that, you know, he wouldn't have wanted to. It was just like, you know, we, uh, it, We didn't have that kind of framework um, thinking about from uh, thinking about it from the beginning. Yeah, you know, in, in hindsight, it would have been way better to um, like really with him and me starting like you know properly saying, look, we're co-founders, we are um, in this 100% together, giving it our all. But you know, due to different things in that situation, that's that's not really how it started. It started a lot more with with him like with this being one of his projects that he got paid for in equity um, and, and me being like, you know, the, the founder. Um, 
and and then it it moved more and more and more because of the success of the company and and because I wanted him in there and because he wanted to be in there as well because it was exciting. And then more and more it became kind of this co-founder relationship, um, and and this co-founder commitment from both parties as well. Um, but so definitely that's 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 one of the things that I'm always from now on going to do like. You know, outsourcing tech, I think, is ridiculous. Um, um, and and uh, um, like you, you gotta you gotta really, really um, have uh, tech competence um, and, and like pure tech competence, right? Like, you know, I, I would say I understand uh, quite a bit as well, but by by far not enough. Um, uh, you gotta have that in from from the start. Um, so, so, so that's definitely, or that, that was, that, that's definitely noteworthy. Then, um, one of the first persons I hired at Nespic was actually a person in HR, um, because I just had the feeling that, um, or, you know, I, I just always kept thinking to myself, like, dude, there's, I mean, a company is nothing but a group of people that, um, uh, uh, that connects, through a common goal and like you like you written in your post uh, uh, I learned that everything starts with who not what exactly Ex exactly it's you know and, and and there are so many different ways of saying it right and and and, and it's it's you know um, uh, uh, investors saying look we invest in teams much rather than products because um, good teams can always figure out another product um, or it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's it, people saying that are, that are super into culture, just saying, look, as long as you make sure that your core competency is to hire the greatest people and then make sure to give them an environment in which they can, can thrive and develop, you're always going to be sure that you're going to be successful. And, and in a way that, that, that really makes sense, right? It, it, it just sounds a lot simpler than it is. Um, but so for me back then, it made a lot of sense to, to, you know, hire an HR person really early on, um, that would make sure that, um, or who, who I could be bouncing, um, thoughts off, um, just, just, you know, purely talking about people and culture, etc. Um, and, 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 uh, who I could also learn from, Like she was actually studying HR um, in in her master, so um, you know for me it was it was really just also a, a, a way of, of of acquiring that that knowledge um, working together with her. Um, and and initially, you know, I I uh, did things that um, I then later on also learned um, are probably really right to do. Um, at the start, I did a lot of stuff intuitively, like you know, I would go and have drinks with every single person that we were considering to hire, and the really go good ones um, I ended up getting drunk with, and that was an enormous um, amount of trust that was just built from 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 that first initial meeting right in which the person had nothing to do with Nespic yet didn't know so much about it they are sure had some questions but the conversation was we were still both sitting there just as people right um and i and i um and i feel that was really one one thing that we did very very right and 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 that the way that i still see that then is when we um, when uh, Rocket Internet invested in us and we decided to move to Berlin, um, 
uh, of the 25 people that we had, of which the majority was actually part-time, right? There was just people working at NESPIC like, uh, you know, during their studies or next to their studies. Um, 17 of those 25 people um, were preparing to move to Berlin. Like they decided, yes, I'm going to quit my studies or I'm going to do them from Berlin because I want to be part of this journey. Um, and to really, you know, cut all ties um, with with a country and move to an entirely different country just based on this group of people that you're working with and, and what you have achieved until now and the excitement that you have for what is to come um, really shows to me that we did a lot of things right when it came to culture at the start, right? Which is generally what you what you often hear right that that at the start it's a it's a lot easier also to for people still to still understand why they're doing what they're doing um <clears throat> and then when we had a whole lot more money um and 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 also influence from from like that that came based on completely different values right where where making money was a lot more of a priority than it was for us then um, not that we didn't make a lot more afterwards, actually. You know, I think typically it's it's the other way around. When you don't care about making money, it's it's when you end up making it. Um, but when we, you know, when when uh, things became a lot more like you know business consulting glasses on, like, um, uh, yeah, we you know we we started just or or it, it just started happening happening that more and more when within the company people were seen as like you know tools machines like you know they could they might have as well been robots you know actually in fact if, if robots could have done what needed to be done probably um you know those people or, or you know we would have bought robots um and and for me really it was that was quite the process right so at, at the start we uh, <laughs> we established that i was quite young and am still quite young um so, so for me, I was also still trying to figure out how do you actually do it, right? What is what is the right way to to build a, a company that that can really influence um, positively or negatively a, a lot of people and and the course of the world in a way a bit. Um, so, so for me, it also like in 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 that phase, I I learned um, another way how to do HR and how to work with people. And then over time, try to actually uh, go back to the good that we did at the start, um, but also definitely the professionalizing um, uh, parts of it that 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 we did um, once once we came to Rocket. Okay, okay, that's yeah. uh, that's cool, cool story. Uh, and uh, besides, <laughs> besides team, besides team, we also know. We also know that uh, investors are pretty important people on the board. You've got another story, which, which is probably even more interesting than the story with your team, uh, how you built relationship with uh, investors. Probably it wasn't like such successful as with your team. But anyway, pretty much interesting. Could you please tell uh, yeah. how you got into Rocket Internet and, and uh, what, how you pick your investors and what experience did you have with them? At the start, um, for for me, really, this whole world of investors was an unknown, right? Like for a lot of non-tech people, technology is right. It's like this, this this super big thing that only a couple of people can do, and and like you know, I and and because I had that kind of mindset, I also went into a, a lot of conversations like that, right? So so naturally, I was putting every person that could potentially be an investor on, on kind of a pedestal, 
which meant that initially, already through the way that I went into that relationship, we never had the opportunity to actually have a, a partnership, right, um, and an equal one. Um, and so, so you know, for, for that, that's that's kind of the, the the way that I started fundraising um, about six months into into Nestpick. We we wanted to raise kind of like two hundred fifty thousand or something like that, which you know is, is a lot of money, and particularly for us back then was was a lot of money. Um, but we realized pretty quickly that we could raise a whole lot more than that because we we got offers in for a million, two million, um, and and so on. And and at one point also that was quite exciting, of course. Um, um, I was talking to the Global Founders Capital Fund, which is the venture capital firm of Rocket for a while already. And um, then um, uh, um, I got called into um, or, or I, I, I got a call from one of those guys um, saying that um, uh, one of the guys said like one of the guys in the management team of Rocket would really like to meet me and is going on holidays afterwards um, and if I could fly by tomorrow. Um, so, you know, while we were on the way to another investor, actually, that day, I ended up booking a, a flight um, on, on my phone for, for, for the next morning, flew to Berlin, um, had a super intense uh, conversation um, with, uh, um, with Alex Kutlich. And um, the next day, um, they, they, they made an offer for uh, yeah, a super significant investment. Um, and for me, that was like, yeah, or for, for, for all of us, that was super exciting, of course. We were all of a sudden having the feeling like we were playing in a completely different league, particularly also because the startup ecosystem in, in the Netherlands was still developing uh, a lot more still than it is now. Plus, in, in Rotterdam, really, there was not yet that much going on. And... Um, uh, but we ended up, you know, saying no, like, you know, it was, it wasn't the kind of deal that we were looking for. And, um, uh, um, but, but they kept, uh, or they, they, they were persistent. And, and, uh, you know, two weeks later, I also met Ali Zamber and, you know, I had a very short conversation actually. Um, they asked me, you know, what I didn't like about the deal. We, um, said, okay, they'll change those parts and, you know, made, made a handshake deal back then and, or like, uh, right, right there. And, yeah, basically within 15 minutes, uh, it was like it was clear that Rocket Internet would would invest into Nestpick. Um, and and the reasoning for me really to do that was that um, partially I I you know I kind of you know I knew what we kind of needed or or felt that I knew what we needed, and and just also it's kind of like when you when you go into your first relationships, right? Um, you 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 often tend to um, like make up things about your you know girlfriend or boyfriend that actually aren't true but that you just like to be um and and you 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 know like create kind of like a you know your own reality in your in your head until until at one point you realize shit it's actually not reality and 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 then uh, yeah you have a problem to solve um and so, so you know, I, I, I kind of did that as well there. Um, um, while on the other hand, we were, of course, also just super impressed, right? Like, so we, we had one and a half developers, I think. Um, and they showed me around there and had like 100, 200 developers. So that was super impressive for me. And I was like, damn, like with those guys, we can learn so much. And, oh, that's it's going to be amazing, right? And and as and everybody was super, super amazed by this. Um, um, but... 
I definitely spent too little time, and I made that mistake even um, even afterwards. Still, I spent too little time um, also being as diligent with choosing the kind of people um, as I was with the people that w- that that were joining the team. You know, I I I didn't talk to them about what kind of values they had, what what their motivations were. Um, uh, with uh, like like just what what they generally felt their purpose in life was, um, and to some people that might sound super fuzzy. To me, it's the way that I've chosen to live my life and to only work together with people that um, that share similar goals um, that 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 I have. Um, but somehow, I don't know, probably particularly because I put investors on this pedestal. Um, it's uh, uh, um, that that never really applied to uh, apply to investors. Um, while it's actually so necessary, because that's really what we learned afterwards. Um, uh, so when I when I raised the Series A for an pick then, so after Rocket had invested, um, we got some super super amazing investors on board and really really smart guys, and. Um, I, I was certainly better at understanding who they were and also connecting better with them than with uh, other investors that I've uh, that I had been talking to. Um, but still, I, in in my mind, I I know it, it. It was still a lot more about the money um, than about also understanding what comes after the money is transferred, and what comes after the money is transferred is that you're working with each other, and. Usually that can be super awesome when you're working together with smart people that inspire you and that, that, that teach you stuff and you teach them. Um, it's, it's the kind of thing that I, it's, 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 it's my, my most enjoyable drug, to be honest. Um, but when you have not worked beforehand on really creating a strong relationship, creating trust, um, then it is in the difficult times that you realize that you have taken that shortcut. Um, then it is in the in the uh, in the in the really hectic times that that everybody starts, yeah, you know, um, uh, becoming a lot more emotional, starts not listening as well any uh, as well anymore, and starts not trusting each other um, as as well anymore. Um, and and so you know we we ended up spending a lot of time with with our investors talking about strategy talking about you know what what should come next talking about unit economics and like everything and what i'm realizing now is and what i'd also at least like to try as 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 as, as uh, in, in the, the next time that i'm doing something is what i'm realizing now is, is maybe it would have been better to just you know take one of those board meetings and we should have just instead i don't know gone camping or gone skydiving with each other or just gotten drunk, whatever, but just do things in which we understand each other as humans and understand like, you know, what we're trying to achieve to create a relationship that is based on more than just unit economics. That's based on more than just increasing growth. And then at one point selling this, this billion dollar company, um, because it's it's and and I, I think that's that's really really important for everybody that's in a very early phase of a of a startup. Um, you gotta be super fast and super. You you gotta iterate super fast and you gotta 
um, uh, uh, cut your losses uh, super quickly when you've when you've gone into a direction that that just doesn't work. And that's not a problem, right? That's 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 it's 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 good every time you realize that something is a failure because you won't make it again. Um, but it's if but but it's important that that you have such a good atmosphere and trust within the within the board um, that you that you can actually be that fast right and that you can take decisions that fast um and and yeah i i i definitely uh, could have could have done that a lot better and that definitely would have helped enormously with creating a better customer experience and that would have definitely helped enormously also with creating a better culture right because employees or uh, no matter how transparent you are, um, when you're not part of those meetings, when you're not part of those relationships, you will only understand to a certain extent why certain things, certain changes in strategy are happening, for example. Um, and then at one point for you, it just feels like you're you're working for these people that are sitting around a table and just taking decisions and playing chess. And And I think that's what our generation really came to hate, right? That's, that's one of the values also of the startup industry, right? That you, that it's not about politics, that it's not about, um, uh, yeah, like hierarchy or so that it's a, that it's just people coming together to create something awesome. You know, uh, in the very beginning of this podcast, you said that, uh, yes, I'm pretty young, but I'll, uh, I've already lived like a whole life in my mind. Uh, yeah. yeah so, uh, and, I, what I really liked in your article, that's like lessons learned that you listed there. And mm-hmm. at, at the end, of the, we are coming to the end of this podcast, but uh, could you please like, pick any of your favorite lessons you learned by, by, by time now and which you will like use these lessons uh, in your future startups, your future companies? I would say it's the empathy or empathy extends to, to companies. Let me actually. Uh, do you have yeah. it in front of you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you want me to uh, to give you a quote? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I don't know that, what I wrote anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I learned that human empathy extends to the experience a company provides. Exactly, exactly. I learned that human empathy extends to the experience a company provides. I think um, culture is brand, and brand is culture. Um, in the end, you know, um, all the emotions the team feels while they create an experience that can be while they make a wireframe, that can be while they design the wireframe, that can be while they um, while they try to sell the product to someone, that can be while they give customers uh, uh, while while they they um, give customer support right now, whatever, really anywhere, um, the feelings that those people feel or the feelings that the customer will feel when they go through the experience in a way like it's it's uh, and and so in a way what you can say like the brand of a, of a company is just the the product of all the characters of the people that are part and have been part of 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 the team and um and 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 for me that's 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 really what i'm what i'm what I'm what I'm realizing, like um, if if you formulate it negatively, then if you and your team don't care about what you're doing 
why should anybody else right there's 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 so much so much stuff going on and somehow we just have this sensor of um uh, that 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 sends us somewhere and says okay this is interesting i want to get into that like why do i you know why would I know? Um, it doesn't apply so much anymore because, you know, uh, um, and, and Apple is also a bit of a cheesy example. I, I understand that. But um, like, you know, three, four years ago, right, Apple and, and the iPhone was playing in a completely different league than, than anything else, right? Why was that, right? Like, why did you have such a different feeling while you were using the iPhone um, compared to uh, something else, right? And it, it's it's not always uh, unanimously as well, right? Like it's um, for someone else that might have been with Android or, you know, uh, I don't, might also be someone that's into luxury fashion that compares Gucci to Dolce & Gabbana or whatever. I, I don't know. But it's why do you feel so special with this one thing um, and, and not with the other? And I think that is really, um, yeah, due to... Um, to the emotion that the people that have crafted that experience have 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 had while they crafted it, um, and so so again, yeah. Once once more negatively formulated, it's if you don't care about what you're doing, why should anybody else? Um, and then formulate it, it formulated positively is is um, when when you really portray your values, um, the the values that you have in an experience that you provide, um, then just very naturally, um, the people that believe in the same things that you believe in will just very naturally flock to it, right? They, they will, they will, they will feel a pull towards it and, and, and care about it and care about it for more than just the experience because it is more, um, and, and, and for me, that's really where where I've learned and I'm still learning and I'm super excited about creating that as well, uh, again as well, um, is, uh, um, is kind of a new level of a company, right? Um, so while I would still learn in university that um, the goal of a company is to maximize the profit of its shareholders, um, I think by now more and more we're, we're starting to rethink that and are, are realizing that if we don't put profit in the center of a company, we can actually create a whole lot more profit because we can work for something that is bigger than ourselves and that is bigger than money. And so, yeah, this, that, that's, that's what I mean with um, humans can have, have empathy towards companies in a positive and negative way. Wow, <laughs> really amazing. Uh, and I think that's a good point uh, to finish up with our podcast, with this episode. Thank you very much, Fabian. Yeah, thank you too. Uh, dear listeners, uh, we love your comments. Uh, please go to ctocast.com or iTunes and leave your feedback. Even if you don't like anything, please go and just write it. It's our fuel and uh, that's uh, what keeps us going forward with this podcast. Thank you and don't forget to subscribe. Bye bye. Subscribe. <laughs>